I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill Fantasy Football Podcast. For me, you get 50 years of playing fantasy sports. From Eric, what you get, uh, the kind of insights you get from an NFL player, the only kind of guy who has been on a top player on the NFL stage with the, the Chargers, the Lions, the Bears. First-hand knowledge of the things that lend yourself to you being able to pick your fantasy team and run your fantasy team and take it to victory. Uh, you can join us on the Radio.com mobile app, iTunes, Stitcher, Lipson, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the easiest way, perhaps, just go to our website, KramerandBrill.com. If you go to our website, right at the top of the homepage, there's a place where it says, click here for your latest podcast. That'll take you right to the podcast. Also, if you like, you can also go to the podcast page and you can look at some of the previous podcasts. And there's other places you can go around there, too. There's events uh, where Aaron, Eric and I may be appearing, how to contact us, you have some questions, whatever you want. Just go to our podcast and our website, and that is KramerandBrill.com. You can download it uh, onto your phone or whatever device you have. I want to take a look back at uh, what we have seen in the past. In other words, the very beginnings of what we know as fantasy football. Fantasy football has been around for 40 years in the form that we know it, uh, but it's been around a lot longer than that. Um, there were you know, kids making up their own games. We had, uh, in the 1950s, Stratomatic came around. After that, APA, APBA, uh, Sports Illustrated. And, of course, we had the, uh, the, the electric football, you know, with the players knocking each other over, which was a lot of fun for about 10 minutes. So in the mid-1960s, uh, Stratomatic came out with their first NFL version. Uh, and basically, it was player cards that were computer-based. They're based on their statistics, and you had defensive markers, uh, and you played it on a board, and you had dice. And the player cards were based on the previous year's statistics. So basically, you went in knowing what, when you had the card in front of you, his stats were at the bottom. And you could see exactly what that player did, what his tendencies were, or at least what he did for the year. And then dice became the wild card. And that was based on percentages, just like you would in craps, where combinations of seven were the most frequent. And the cards, their statistics, based on dice rolls, strategically placed, and then your strategic knowledge of the game of football. And we found out, at least I did, that in... Playing Stratomatic, my one season of playing Stratomatic, my enhancement of understanding NFL football was 10,000 times better. It was just amazing. Now, uh, the game took off, and personally, well, I, I was involved in a dynasty league. We had a dynasty league for 22 years. And somewhat like, you know, the fantasy football leagues we have today, uh, you'd take on one coach, but in this case, you'd go to a guy's house and play him, or he'd come to your house. Or in certain cases, we'd all get together for a night and we'd all have our games so, uh, as compared to what we have in fantasy football now, which uh, you never even see your opponent. Uh, you may call him on the phone or uh, text him a lot or you know, do some of uh, that kind of stuff. But um, there were tricks, of course. And <laughs> home field advantage was kind of cool. But some guys really took that to the nth degree. We had one guy that we played, everybody would complain about it because what he would do is he would, when we played each other, we'd set up on a table. In other words, you, I was here and you were on the other side. We faced each other and the game board was here. And with the dice and everything, we had cards laid out and everything else. But what he would do is he would set up a TV, right, a portable TV, right behind himself. And so you're seeing him and you're seeing this TV. Well, that's a big enough distraction as it is. But then he'd put on a porn tape. And that's a really, really big distraction in more ways than one. And that just, it, it drove the guys nuts. So um, it was one of those things. It worked, but it drove the guys nuts. 
So we'd have a draft just like you would in modern fantasy football. The difference was we already knew, as I mentioned before, how the players performed against league competition. Uh, the cards were based on the previous year's stats. So the wild card was our knowledge and, of course, the strategy and, and the dice. Now, in those days, we did all the stats by hand. I would sit down. We each had a, a sheet that was a score sheet, two-sided, and we'd record each run, how many yards, and each pass attempt, uh, completions, sacks, and receptions, and all that kind of stuff. And then everybody would turn them in to me at the end of the week, and I would record them, and I would sit there with a calculator, or before I had a calculator, we'd do it with a, um, an adding machine. My dad had an adding machine for his milk route, and so I would use the punch in the numbers and you know pull the pull the handle, and we would add them up that way. And then when calculators came along, it became a whole lot easier, a whole lot more expensive to do, and um, that was all we had in our leagues long before the computer generated stuff that we have now, where you could just you know start something, uh, do an app or something like that. So. Um, We'd have the paper stats, and then at the end of the year, I would add all that up, and I'd have records. And I actually have a record book going back. It's that thick of pages still of all those years, those 22 years we played, uh, year-by-year uh, statistics. Now, uh, at one point, we had uh, 18 teams in our league. We had uh, eight in Los Angeles, five in El Paso, and five in um, Tulsa. And this is because every time I moved in my radio career, I would start a new division because I wanted to keep playing in the league, and I was the commissioner, so it seemed sensible. So I'd start a new division, so I moved to El Paso, and we had five teams there. And I moved to um, Tulsa, we had five teams there. When I moved back to L.A., those divisions went away. We ended up having like 12 guys in uh, in the league at, uh, at that point. It was sweet in the pot each year. We started out like five bucks. You know, we were just out of high school, so we none of us had more than jobs that paid minimum wage, and I won't tell you what the minimum wage was back then. Uh, but uh, we eventually rose that to 50 bucks. That sounds familiar. <laughs> uh, some of the all-time greats in our league, to be expected, uh, of course, there was O.J., Roger Staubach, Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, all had great cards and great years in those years. Uh, however, there were, in any such venture like this, you know, you're going to have uh, something, a player that stands out either by luck or by selling coaching. For instance, there was Jarrell Thomas. Now, you may not remember Jarrell Thomas had a short career with the Rams in the NFL. In his rookie year with the Rams in 1980, he rushed for 427 yards, but he averaged 6.6 .6 yards a carry. So he had some long runs, too. So his card, the way it was set up, the way Stratomatic was set up, was it was based on guessing right and wrong. So if the defense was calling a pass and you called a run, it would be wrong on the defense. And there was a better chance if it land, if the dice told you to look on your offensive player's cards that you would have a good result. If it landed on the defensive player's cards, it was because you moved players into position. Maybe you put four men in the short pass zone or you uh, flooded the linebackers uh, on, on the line, you know, blitz, whatever you're going to do. So but basically because Jarrell Thomas was an unknown and I ran him in passing situations a lot, he gained a lot of yards. He had some of those long runs. He ended up gaining 1,500 yards for me. Um, so, but another player was Greg Landry, who that same year, uh, no, the year before, he rushed for 350 yards as a quarterback on only 35 carries. Well, that's 10 yards a carry. So I took full advantage of his running card, and that became, and he had 61% completion average. So I, that means he became one of the most feared players in the league. Another season, a coach drafted John Fuqua, over Dwayne Thomas, and his reasoning was because they had similar stats. Fuqua had an 85-yard run on his card. It was a two or 12, I forget which. Uh, so you, it was a 
hard chance that, or a long shot that you're going to hit that. Well, he ended up trading the player halfway through the season because he only hit that 85-yard carry once. And he was in the opponent's five-yard line, so it was kind of wasted. It was a five-yard touchdown run instead of an 85-yard touchdown run or a 50-yard touchdown run. And Dwayne Thomas was just very consistent all year long. And um, so the uh, John Fuqua over um, Dwayne Thomas move was not a good one. Uh, Virgil Carter, the Bengals quarterback, uh, was not a deep ball thrower. But in 1971, one of the coaches found a loophole in the defensive cards. Uh, remember I told you we had community cards. We had uh, the same defense. We all played with the same defense, defensive cards, but we just had different defensive players within that. So uh, what happened was on the long pass at number seven on this defense, there was what's called a split rating. And that split rating was 50% uh, chance of a touchdown, long game, not a touchdown, a long game, which could turn into a touchdown, and a 50% chance of an interception. Well, the, the seven came up when you had to roll the dice again, and the seven was the long game. So basically what happened was this coach found that loophole that none of the rest of us saw, and he was throwing long passes with Virgil Carter. And he was coming up with seven a lot, as you would when you roll two dice, and that seven turned out to be either a 50% chance of a long game or an interception. Well, he took the chance of the interception because more often than not, he got the long game. So not many of us noticed that. When we did, uh, the season changed drastically because we started doing that and his team fell down. Um, probably the greatest game that ever happened in our 22 years in Stratomatic or Stratomatic League the Greater San Fernando Valley Stratomatic Pro Football League is what it was called. We had a trophy that stood this high, and I'm talking from the floor up. Nobody knows what happened to the trophy. We all checked with each other, and uh, it just kind of disappeared. But this greatest game, I, I'll never forget this, especially the last minute and 15 seconds. Dan Fouts was my quarterback, and as you probably know, Dan Fouts was an extremely good passer and a good long passer. Well, I went crazy in the first half against my opponent, and at the half, I led 48-7. to 48-7, I get this game taken. I'm, and I'm just, you know, going to try to play out the string, you know, run the ball a lot, that kind of thing to wind down the clock. Well, the second half was just the opposite. You might say, I got Dickerson to death. It was Eric Dickerson's rookie season. And he had all those long runs and had a great, great year and everything. Well, guessing wrong much of the time in the second half, because obviously he was trying to catch up and he was running Dickerson a lot, looking for those long gains, Dickerson constantly was breaking away and getting long runs. They got a few touchdowns. Finally, a minute 15 left. He scores, my opponent scores, to take a 54-48 lead. I'm down by six, a minute 15 left. I had one shot. Now, my kickoff return man could not, he did not have the ability to return for a touchdown. So it was all kind of on fouts, and that's where it lay. The kickoff was returned to the 47-yard line, which was a good return. I only had 53 yards to go for a game-tying Touchdown with a winning extra point. So I threw my first pass. I threw a short pass to a receiver. I was hoping for what was called a receiver call where I might get a 15, 20-yard gain. Well, what happened was Fouts got sacked. So nine yards. And the sacks in Stratomatic were almost always nine yards. So minus nine. So now it's second down and 19. And I'm really hurting now because now I got 60 yards to go. So I threw a long pass on the second down. Sacked again. Threw a long pass on third down, 
sacked again. So now I've got fourth down, one play left. That's all I got is one play left. Fourth down and 37. I can hit a long gain and not even make a first down. But it doesn't matter because this is the last play of the game and I have to score a touchdown. So I took my time and I thought over the possibilities. I knew my wide receivers would be double teamed. I knew my tight end would be double teamed, which would leave any other receiver open with single coverage. So I decided I was going to try a Hail Mary pass, a deep long pass to my running back, who happened to be Walter Abercrombie. And Abercrombie was a good receiver, uh, but most importantly, I knew for a fact he would be under single coverage. It'd be a 99% chance because the guy could have used his free safety to cover the tight end or the running back, and I knew he'd choose the tight end because the running back just, you know, it's a long shot. So from 74 yards out, Fouts heaves this long pass downfield, and sure enough, I roll a 12. Turns out to be a long game. Now I've got a shot. I've got one shot. If I roll anything but a 2 or 12, I'm dead with those two, with those two dice. 2 or 12, I got a, a touchdown. Anything else, I'm dead. Game's over. I lose. I pick up the dice. Sure enough, I roll a 12. I roll 12, 74-yard touchdown pass to Walter Abercrombie. Good guys win. Final score with the PAT, 55-54. My opponent gets up, walks out. I haven't seen him since. <laughs> well, I have seen him since, but, you know. Uh, what an incredible game. And, and just what an incredible fantasy because that's what it was. So there you have it. Back to the days of when fantasy was true fantasy. Kids and adults laid the groundwork for what became a multi-billion dollar industry that we have today, fantasy football. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this uh, look back at uh, fantasy football in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll get together with Eric. Uh, before that, I'm probably going to do a primer on um, how to select fantasy football teams in today's you know, uh, world, the, uh, um, uh, the strategy of how to do that. And then Eric can join me for uh, the NFL draft, and we'll get ready for the 101st NFL season and our fantasy football podcast right here uh, and uh, at KramerandBrill.com. So there you have it. This week's fantasy football podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can find us on Radio.com, the mobile app, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, wherever you get your podcast. Perhaps the easiest way is go to our website, KramerandBrill.com. Click at the top of the homepage, and right there you'll find, uh, it'll say, take you to the latest podcast. That'll work. Or you can go to the podcast page and check it out there. Uh, this podcast is a property of Brill Productions. Any unauthorized use, such as charging for its contents, is strictly prohibited. We do encourage you, however, to share the podcast for free. For my friend Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill.